Hi, I'm David Kelly. I'm president and CEO of Chicana Copper. Chicana Copper is a junior ex exploration company focused in Peru. We have a very high-grade discovery in the Soledad breccia pipe. Uh, thus far, all of our exploration has been focused on tourmaline breccia pipes, which hosts very high-grade copper, gold, silver mineralization. But it's part of a much larger mineral system, and we're just in the final stages of getting a drill permit that opens up the central and southern part of the project, which together with the existing permit covers the entire mineral system. So we have many more high-grade terminally retro pipes uh, to drill, but we also now have access to some very large tonnage targets, the Mega Gold uh, Porphyry target, it's the Copper Gold. Uh, target in uh, in the central part of the of the mineral system, and then we have a very uh, promising high sulfidation epithermal uh, target to test uh, that's on the southern part of the project. So we have some very very exciting uh, exploration uh, targets to test, in addition to uh, advancing our knowledge and studies uh, associated with the high grade resource that we uh, put out last year. David, uh, thank you very much for the introduction. It's good to be speaking to you again, and I'm. Um, I'm excited about uh, drilling. Oh, my goodness, this 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 drill permit has taken a while to arrive, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. And, you know, that's always been one of my complaints, Merlin, about Peru is that it's a very bureaucratic uh, uh, country in terms of the way it deals with regulatory policies. Uh, they have a very good mining law and a very good environmental law uh, that uh, that I think sets Peru apart from many many countries, but uh, it does take a lot of time and we've been frustrated with how long it's taken. It's been about two and a half years to get this permit for the southern half of the project, but you know, there have ha has been a lot of progress. We did get our environmental approval and uh, at the end of December, December 27th, we've now moved to the final stage and you know, I anticipate we should be drilling you know, by late April, May, sometime in there, which coincides well with the uh, the end of the rainy season, as you would know. So you so uh, I can see from your news release that you're talking about, um, you know, you've got the, the all the permits. You're just in the final stages of it's called the initiation of activity, the AIA. Is that a um, what does that involve? I mean, it's it, it seems odd that there's a kind of a you you've got a get approval to start almost after having got all your approvals. Yeah, it, it is uh, odd. And, and, you know, the environmental permit is the, is the key milestone, right? That's where all the baseline studies, uh, all the environmental uh, work, the archaeological uh, surveys are done. And that's the, usually the part of the permit that takes the longest. Um, it's very comprehensive. And, and uh, getting that is, is, is a huge step forward. But yeah, then you have one last final stage, and that's when they check your uh, your surface access agreements. Uh, they evaluate whether or not Consulta Previa is necessary for your project, and, and we've been told that Consulta Previa is not required for the private ground that we're going to start with, which is the Mega Gold and the, uh, the La Jolla High Sulfidation System, as well as some other breccia pipes that are on private land. And so that's why we're excited to to announce that, you know, we will be drilling soon. We know that the initiation of activities uh, goes quickly uh, when you're dealing strictly with private land. Uh, it does involve getting a water permit. We're already well advanced on that. Um, so th this is this is good news for us. It means that we will be drilling soon and uh, we can carry forward with uh, that, you know, the technical program that we planned. And um, are you flexible within that drill permit you know, on private ground? I mean, are you able to be results-led 
rather than being pad-led, if you understand the question. Yeah, that's right. I mean, I, I can't remember the exact number, but we have something like 130 or 140 platforms in the permit, and, and, and they understand that, you know, you're doing this, you know, as kind of pre-planning, this is where you think you want to drill. There is flexibility to move individual platforms within that, and then you can also relocate uh, drill platforms. Like, let's say that we exhausted all the platforms that were in our permit, the 140 or so. We can relocate uh, unused drill platforms from the broader permit area uh, to augment what we have. So, you know, we think we have plenty of uh, platforms uh, in the permit area already, and there's flexibility to move those around as necessary. Good, good. It really sounds as if the, the 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 permitting process, as lengthy as it has been, kind of takes the break off and gives you lots of operational flexibility during the course of the next twelve months and possibly beyond. Yeah, that's right. And you know, Derek, we made good use of that time. Of course, we you know uh, we've done all the targeting work. We've completed uh, several different geophysical surveys. You know, we've really approached this from a, a very comprehensive, systematic, multidisciplinary exploration approach involving, you know, detailed field mapping, uh, alteration studies of the rocks, uh, spectral studies, surface geochemistry in a number of different ways, and in multiple different geophysical surveys. And that really culminated with a targeting workshop that we held last year with Goldfields, our biggest shareholder, uh, who brought tremendous technical expertise to to the meeting and, uh, and along with our own team. So we have some very, very exciting targets there. They're they're multidimensional. They they hang together very well, and I'm excited to talk to you about it because it's uh, it's going to be fun to drill these. Well, you've um, it's it's <laughs> you certainly had enough time to do the kind of the initial planning, and it, and it was Mike Tyson's phrase, isn't it, that um, uh, everybody has a plan until they get a punch in the nose. Um, so I'm not ex- I'm not going to hold you to every drill hole that you that, that you lay out now, but um, can you talk me through what your aiming to do in kind of terms of um, where you want to put your initial holes and what you uh, are hoping to test, please. Yeah, you know, this might be a good a good opportunity to transition to uh, uh, to one of the slides. We could start with uh, slide uh, number eight. Um, and slide eight is, is, is a map showing the total targets uh, on the project, north and south. And uh, just for our, our listeners, you know, we've been restricted to only drilling on the north side of the project up until uh, this point when we get the, the, the permit for the south. And within that, you know, we've tested a number of, of high-grade outcropping uh, tourmaline breccia pipes. Uh, this led to a number of drill campaigns that culminated with a resource that was put out uh, last year. Um, it's about 6.7 million tons of what works out to be about one point. 8% copper equivalent or uh, 2.75 gram per ton uh, gold equivalent. If you put, if you just talk of metal equivalents, it's about 650,000 ounce uh, gold equivalent uh, resource starting at surface going to an average depth within the pipes of about 330 uh, meters. They're, the pipes are open at depth. Uh, we know there's additional pipes to find because there are blind breccia pipes on the property. These are not breccia pipes that erupted at surface. They're, they're, they still probably had a kilometer or two of rock above the tops of the pipes when they formed. And that's one of the reasons the fluids are so well contained that we get, you know, some exceptional grades, including massive calcopyrite zones, you know, that are running 27% copper. But the south side, so the south side is, is it brings us down the hill, lowest elevation on the project, 
where much more uh, intrusives are exposed. And we think the primary controlling uh, uh, factor for this is uh, what's called the Lincuna Fault. It's a through-going regional structure. Uh, it can be traced all the way up to the north, uh, to the northeast, uh, just on the north side of the Antamino ore body. Uh, we think it's part of the same arc normal or arc transverse structure uh, that controls where the intrusions are able to get uh, into the shallow crust. And uh, this this is part of our project where we're at the lowest elevation, more intrusives exposed. This is where we're seeing this huge gold anomaly. It's one of the most impressive soil gold anomalies I've seen in my career. And I have a specialty in exploration geochemistry. Uh, and, and I've seen you know, literally hundreds and hundreds of soil surveys and multiple different environments. And this is a very, very impressive gold anomaly that sits uh, on the south side of the project from the base of the valley up, uh, you know, up the hill. And you can see that in this slide that I'm referring to. It's called the mega gold anomaly. Within that anomaly, there's multiple different types of targets. There's geophysical targets. There's alteration targets. There's, there are terminally breaches inside of this. The, the terminally breaches are the latest event um, and we think that uh, the, there's a blind intrusion within this area uh, that um, that you know has a, a very strong geophysical anomaly associated with it uh, strong geochemistry we've done um, uh, hyperspectral mineralogy on the alteration uh, that we see at surface and put put together a very compelling story it all fits together very very nicely uh, so that's the mega gold anomaly in the southwest part of the project is the La Jolla High Sulfidation Epithermal System, and that's another very exciting large tonnage target. Can I just um just on 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 um mega um gold? How many holes are you going to be putting in, and um how many meters have you kind of allocated in your first pass for this area? Yeah. So for the the drill program we planned for 2023, we've we've uh, planned a 4,000 meter drill program. Uh, the initial plan would be about 2,800 meters in scout drilling, um, a number of, of uh, different targets. Um, I don't have an exact uh, uh, number on uh, the mega gold target per se. It certainly will get the majority. My guess is it would get 1,800 to uh, 2,000 meters of that initial 2,800, uh, testing you know specific uh, features of the target and you know, in relation to the geochemistry, we have very strong surface geochemistry and we have underlying geophysical anomalies. So our goal is to optimize the drilling to get holes that test multiple features at the same time, right? Um, and then the plan would be to come back once we've done that initial route. Yep. Presumably there'll be kind of inclined holes um, somewhere between 200 and 400 meters in depth or, uh, or are you kind of planning... Um, Kind of a fixed hole length, or to just kind of see how how you go as long as you clip the 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 various anomalies um, that you've accumulated within that drill area. Yeah, that's right, uh, Merlin. And you've done this before, right? So you know you know the drill here. Uh, it's very much going to be. Um, uh, we're definitely going to be drilling angle holes because you want to cover as much lateral geology as you can. We will be targeting specific uh, features like uh, the high chargeability anomaly. Uh, or the, the contrast from a resistive zone going into the high chargeability uh, zone of the geophysical anomaly underlying a, a gold anomaly. And absolutely, if we're in mineralization or really strong alteration or we can 
we can see alteration vectors helping us out, we will keep drilling. You know, we're not going to go in there and say we're not going to drill any deeper than 250 meters. Uh, but the goal is really to understand what, uh, explain the anomalies, right? That's whenever you have these multidisciplinary targets put together, you want to understand what's causing the bold anomaly we see at surface. What's causing that chargeability anomaly? What's the geology? Is it is it a, a blind intrusion? Uh, we have a, a very attractive uh, inferred uh, intrusion uh, that we think is the source of this chargeability anomaly, and I want to find out if that's if that uh, hypothesis is true. Uh, and but we probably will be drilling a, like on a poles on a fence, so we'll do. You know, we'll start on the on the maybe the northeast side, and we'll drill a, a two to four hundred meter hole. Then we'll step up five hundred meters. We'll drill another hole in similar kind of orientation, and try to step across so that we can put together a body of understanding uh, of about uh, the the target uh, per se. And that's really the best way to do it. It's it's almost like stratigraphic drilling. People will talk about that, but of course, that's really not the the controlling feature here is stratigraphy, but it is scout drilling in its pure sense of the of the meaning in that you're trying to uh, understand the big picture here very quickly so that you can then orient your follow-up drilling uh, to be very uh, targeted on certain features. What you've described that calls for a certain degree of patience from the investor, because if you, uh, if you talk about scout drilling to vector in on your phase two drilling, you're, you, you are effectively saying that the, don't expect too much from the first round of um, results in by way of by way of hard numbers and and mineral content. Yeah, that's right. And, and you know that's the exploration game. Um, you know we 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 do you know really solid, um, well-founded technical work, but you, you always get surprises, right? You always have things that. You think you knew that you don't, uh, and, and, the, and the drill hole, uh, the drill rig is oftentimes uh, the, the the one that's informing you that your ideas were not correct. But, uh, you know, the thing that's exciting to me about this project in particular, we know it produces high-grade mineralization. It was a, an extremely high-energy system, right? To create these terminally breccia pipes in the first place requires a tremendous amount of energy release. Those the tops of the intrusions that were um, accumulating the volatiles that then erupted to create the breccia pipes, those are the kind of intrusions that can be very, very significant. They can be giant porphyry systems. We already know that from studying terminally breccia systems globally. Um, so, uh, you know, we've got a big system, a big footprint. The strike length of the, of the system is about 6.7 uh, kilometers. I think it would be worth... Uh, just focusing on slide, um, if we look at slide number seven, the cross section, uh, it provides a, a very clear uh, understanding of our uh, interpreted geology from all the drilling we've done. We've done over 60,000 meters of drilling on the north side. We understand that geology very well. And we're moving now to the south side and, uh, and, and taking the knowledge of what we have there. But you know, we have a major through-going structure, the Lincuna Fault. It clearly controlled where the intrusions came in. There are multiple intrusions. We see an early granodiorite, you know, about 15.3 million years old. Uh, 300,000 uh, years later, another intrusion comes up on the edge of that original granodiorite intrusion. So the structure is 
the the original fault controlled the initial intrusion, the margins of the initial intrusion, then controlled later intrusions. And so there's a structural story that's unfolding here. But what's really interesting to me is that the geology on the central and south part of the project is different than the north. We don't have the, the, the sheer number of tourmaline breccia pipes. We have more exposed igneous or intrusive geology. And we have these big, giant, robust signatures, not these not these bullseye uh, breccia pipe type of signatures. And that's telling us that we're closer to the heat engine that's driving all of that. I was going to ask... Um... Uh, are you comfortable that the, the that that structural suture, the Lincuna fault, uh, hasn't had a huge amount of movement on it? But it I mean, it's obviously been a long-lived feature that has had many phases of um, quite quiescence and then reactivation. Um, but are, are you comfortable that the geology is is closely related on both sides of the fault, or is there a possibility that there's been a kind of a major movement on the on the south side? Yeah, we, we think that uh, the Laguna Fault is part of a, le- a lateral, left lateral, um, you know, strike slip type of fault, which is very typical of these arc normal structures. There probably is a little bit of up and down, maybe reverse movement. But uh, originally, we thought that the south side had been uplifted significantly, eroding deeper geology. And that's why we see the difference between the north side and the south side. Well, we no longer believe that because if you look at that cross-section in slide number seven, there's a a very conformable stratigraphy from the the highest elevation on the north side, an area called Sima Blanca, to the highest elevation on the south side called La Jolla. The La Jolla is where the high sulfidation alteration and and, uh, outcropping mineralization exists. And the, the stratigraphy that hosts those Two areas is very conformable. So we think there's been very, very little um, offset uh, in, a, in an up and down sense uh, along the Lincuna Fault. Nice, got it. Yeah, and of course. As soon as you start talking about that, I can, I can see the, I can see the stratigraphy across um, the the whole cross section across the full um, seven kilometers. I should um, look first and open my mouth second. But um, it's good to get you to explain it to me. Um, just stepping away from the geology a bit, um, you know, your market capitalization is um, sub $20 million. It might even be sub um, $15 million. What do you think are going to be the value catalysts? What are you going to be the catalysts to kind of um, really kick the share price? Do you think you're going to see a, um, a, a bump when you start drilling or is it going to have to be results driven? Well, it's it's hard to predict what the market's going to be like. I mean, it, it has been a very difficult market and I do see companies releasing good results and not getting any uh, you know, any reaction uh, from the market. I mean, it used to be in the old days, just getting a drill permit or knowing that there was going to be news flow uh, was a good thing. I don't think our market's like that right now. I think there's still a lot of apprehensive investors. A lot of money has been pulled out of of the of the financial markets and uh, sitting on the sideline. I think it will be results driven, um, you know, and I'm, I'm okay with that because I think we have great targets. And I these are the kind of uh, drill programs where it, it, it can only take one drill hole to really set this thing off. You know, if we can confirm a mineralized intrusion on the south side, that could rip this thing right open. We know we're going to have more high-grade breccia pipes. We know that this high sulfidation zone has good grade mineralization. It was drilled historically by Buenaventura, and uh, it's an intact system uh, sitting there. So, you know, we know we're going to get good results from from some of this drilling uh, but, you know, there's huge upside, too, in testing some of these uh, larger uh, targets. Um, 
you know, I'm not happy at all where we're at from a share price or market cap standpoint. I think if you look at the fact that we've got, you know, 650,000 ounces of gold equivalent in the ground already on open breccia pipes on the north side and many, many more of those to go, um, I think I think you can certainly make the case that at a 12 or $13 million market cap Canadian company uh, that were grossly undervalued, uh, but we're not alone. There's lots of other uh, companies out there, but I do think it's a great investment point uh, now. You know, it's it's to the point where I think our value valuation is ridiculous. I think we've got a great solid program. We've got uh, a key strategic investor in Goldfields, 18%. They put in $12 million since the start, and they're super keen on these targets. They were part of it. You know, they were... They were part of the technical work that went into defining these targets, and they're, you know, they're very excited about the program and where it's going. Uh, we have some very good institutional long-term shareholders, so you know, we're doing the best job we can uh, to keep the share price up, but we also realize it's a very difficult market, and they want to see results, and we're going to deliver results. It's, um, it's it, just, just on that valuation kind of theme, uh, as you say, you're not alone. There has been so many exploration companies that have had their valuations crushed uh, in the course of 2022. And indeed, uh, despite a little bit of a recovery uh, at the end of 2022 and into 2023, the, you know, the, the valuations are still well below uh, long-term averages or peer com comparables that you might expect to see through the cycle. Um, I guess you've had the added overlay of volatility in Peru, which has you know, the presidential elections, the riots in the street, um, a few mine sites of, um, down in the south have been blocked. You know, there's been a, kind of a, a raft of bad news out of Peru. And yet, and yet, it's still a mining country and the mines by and large um, are producing just as much as they were before. They, the, the, it seems to be a country which is more geared up for mining than for exploration. And I think you've, you've just got over that hurdle now with that, uh, with your exploration permit. So, um, I mean, I, I wonder, you know, am, am I uh, wide of the mark when it comes to my comments on Peru? No, I think you're spot on. I mean, uh, you know, Peru has been, I went back and looked the other day, what's the average duration of a presidential term? And going back, you know, 200 years, it's been volatile. It's always been volatile in Peru. And, you know, I, I used to maintain a... Uh, a PowerPoint presentation of the, you know, the last 20 years, last 30 years, you know, how many, how many presidents have we had? You know, the, the numbers are ridiculous. There's been something like five presidents in the last four years, you know? And so we said, well, okay, what's the copper production done during that time? And what we saw is that copper production was really steady, slightly increasing. Las Bombas comes on, huge jump in 2016, steadied off, kind of slowly, gradu you know, gradually climbed, and then COVID hit. And, and it dropped off with COVID. And then, you know, there's been a slight recovery, uh, but it's still at that very, very, very high level, still number two in the world in terms of, uh, of uh, copper production. And so the message was clear to me that presidents come and go, but the the fundamental underpinning of Peru's economy, which is mining, has has worked its way through that. It's too important to the, the economy and to global copper production for it to to be put on the sideline. Uh, they they definitely struggled with COVID. Uh, it's been very difficult to watch what's happened with uh, the presidential election and then all the um, 
you know, the impeachment of the president and the fraud charges and the investigation, all of that stuff. Yeah, no doubt. But I do think things are improving. We have a we have a meeting next week at PDEC with the Minister of Energy and Mines, and he's a very impressive individual. What gives me hope right now, Merlin, is that the the new president uh, that came in and you know was was uh, sworn in after Castillo was impeached uh, has has appointed a very very impressive cabinet. You know, the Minister of Energy Mines, thirty nine years experience in the oil and gas industry. Uh, the uh, the vice minister of mining, a very, very long, uh, successful career in natural resource um, work. Uh, so I'm, I'm very encouraged by the, the, you know, the level of expertise and back experience that now sits on the cabinet that didn't sit there six months ago, right? So I, I do think we're headed back to good times. Uh, I, I, I understand that the protests are, are abating and we're getting our permits. So it's, it's, I think it's headed in the right direction. Happy days, happy days, getting getting, getting drilling again. It's always, <clears throat> it's always good to be drilling. <clears throat> um, I can't um, not ask the question about cash. Um, how are you doing for cash, and um, is 2023 funded? Yeah, we are partially funded for 2023, and it depends, again, on how, how the drilling goes and how much drilling we ultimately want to do. Uh, we have 2.7 million Canadian in the bank right now, which is a, a healthy uh, treasury. We've done, you know, a very thorough job of looking at our cost structure and, and reducing costs everywhere we can. Um, you know, salaries, the size of our team, uh, uh, just just everything we can do. You know, we uh, I, I, just an example of how we save money. We we've always preserved our sulfide intercepts or, you know, the high grade sulfide intercepts, uh, the drill rejects in a freezer container to keep them ready for metallurgical work. And, and and to prevent oxidation, because most companies that go out and, you know, do a multi-million dollar uh, drill campaign just for metallurgical sampling. And we, we felt that we were doing so much drilling that a lot of that information could be used and made available. So we put all that stuff in a freezer container. Well, we've recently repackaged all those in a nitrogen vacuum sealed uh, environment. Uh, individual uh, samples turned off the freezer container. We saved you know, a few thousand dollars a month there, just electricity costs alone. So, you know, just lots of little things like that. We've optimized our cost structure. Uh, we're, uh, and, and we're, we're focused on capital preservation so that that money can go into the ground. So, you know, we're reasonably healthy on that, on that regard. And, and, um, you know, that's, that's really by design. Good. Well, um, well done for taking all those measures. Um, I, I, just as kind of by way of wrapping up, could you talk me through how you've kind of blocked out the news flow um, in an idealized world? I mean, obviously, we all want to make discoveries and you hope that you get good results out. But for, on, the, on, the, on the bits that you can control, what does 2023 look like? And I know we've only got um, one month left in Q1, but it, perhaps quarter by quarter, um, what does 2023 look like and what you can control? Yeah, Merlin, and you know, I haven't even talked yet about the work that we're doing with the existing resource. You know, we do have a high-grade resource uh, that starts at surface. Uh, there's an oxide cap to uh, to those breccia pipes. Uh, we've the the preliminary work we've done on the oxide zones shows us that the gold leaches very easily uh, from the tops of those. So we're doing some internal studies on you know what kind of value could the tops of these breccia pipes uh, bring. In a, in a very simple, you know, oxide leach type of uh, scenario. We're looking at the high-grade resource zones within that 6.7 million tons, about 
a three and a half million tons of that sits at a at a much higher grade at about three percent copper equivalent uh and within that there's a very high range you know as we talked uh, some of these massive sulfide zones and there's a you know a potential opportunity in in, in having uh that material mined uh we've got a a, a neighbor uh a mining operation right next door um, that uh, does underground mining. They have a processing plant and a, a permitted tailings facility. Um, so, you know, we are talking with them. They're very, uh, uh, you know, very good neighbors for us to have in, in, in a big, large district where they're, they're mining uh, lead, zinc, silver mineralization, and we have our copper, uh, gold mineralization. So there's there's some exciting things going on in that. And then there's the exploration side of the story, and uh, so, you know, what I think in terms of new slow, what you can expect to see, we'll continue to uh, push hard, get the permit. We expect to be drilling, you know, April, May. Uh, that's going to, that program's going to take about two and a half months to unfold. Um, and during that time, there will be, you know, regular news flow on the different targets we're testing, what the results are and that type of thing. Uh, we're advancing our knowledge on the re existing resource and and understanding what potential value that could bring to the project. So, I th I think the important thing for investors of Chicana is you're getting ex you're getting exposure to huge exploration upside. It's why Goldfields is there. It's why they've invested twelve million dollars. You also have a high grade resource that could be developed at some point, and it doesn't mean that we would develop it ourselves. It very well could mean that uh, we. You know, we collaborate with a mining group that can come in and do the mining and the processing. Exactly. Monetize it in some way, and that could be huge for us. Um, and, you know, uh, and and then, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we've got future aspirations. We're, we're actually very impressed with the quality of, of, of projects that are available in Peru right now, and a lot of that has to do with people moving on and and uh and companies tightening their ships and and uh and divesting projects or moving projects out of their portfolios so we're always active in looking at new opportunities as well so you know the investors get exploration upside resource upside copper gold silver exposure um, um so you can you can participate in the copper boom which everyone knows is going to happen and then you know there's the precious metals wild card out there uh, that every you know most people that I talk to expect that to pop as well at some point. So I think we're positioned very well for uh, what's going to happen here uh, in the next couple of years. And um, you know I'm I'm uh, excited to tell you the story. Great. Uh, well, David, thank you so much. It's been really interesting catching up. I very much look forward to seeing the drill rigs turning um, at Solidad in the uh, in, in the months to come. And uh, do keep me updated on progress. I, I, I'm, it, it's one I'd like to follow very much. Absolutely, Merlin. Thank you for your time.